So churches uh, in, Eth- or in Ethiopia, they have a saying. They say in Ethiopia that the church needs to be surrounded by a forest. The forest needs to resemble, therefore, for the church, the Garden of Eden. In fact, priests will say in Ethiopian churches that every plant holds a blessing from God. Well, about 100 years ago, this wasn't a problem. There were, uh, all across the highlands of Ethiopia, there was forests absolutely everywhere. But then this started to change. Due to aggressive farming and cattle grazing, the once, the once lush forests of Ethiopia have nearly disappeared. And I was watching a short film on this. Uh, you, you can Google uh, Ethiopian church forests and, and find this video. It's pretty inspiring. I loved it. Uh, but in this video, you'll see these aerial camera shots of, of basically the land where you see this vast orange desert occasionally interrupted by these small circles of forest. And if you look really carefully in the middle of those forests, those small circular forests, some of which are probably just as big as this Nokomis Park area, in the middle of them is a church. You see, the churches of Ethiopia are protecting their forests. Pastors and ecologists have partnered together to build stone walls around the forests. It's a simple idea, but what this does is it, it blocks um, grazing cattle and other threats from coming and, and eating up new trees and new growth. And so because of this, the forest has continued to be a lush, beautiful area surrounding the churches. Now, how cool is that? Like, what a beautiful image of church there in that, uh, in that setting, right? That, that churches are meant to be like the Garden of Eden. So if you were to go to Ethiopia today, so it looks like today is going to be a Sunday where we're in the takeoff path. So we're just going to have to get used to that one today. I don't know if the churches in Ethiopia have to battle that. Uh, that we'll have to figure that one out later. So anyway, if you were to go to Ethiopia today and you were to walk across this dry, arid desert and eventually come to the gate in a stone wall, Well, if you were to pass through that gate, it would feel like you're then stepping into the Garden of Eden. You'd you'd see all of these old growth trees and vines everywhere. You'd see these odd, strange bugs that that us here in North America wouldn't be used to seeing. You'd hear bird songs that you'd never heard before. In fact, this would be a holy forest of blessing, of blessing. And I think that we have something in common with those believers, with those ecologists in Ethiopia, and that we want to be stewards of what God has given us. We want to be able to pass to the next generation, to those who are coming after us, tremendous blessing. We want, them to, we want the next generation to be uh, well acquainted with the experiences of God, the creation of God. We want to pass things down to them. We want to be able to pass down practical blessings, such as the protection and the resources that a a forest can provide. But also, we want to pass down spiritual blessings to them. We want them to be able to encounter power and beauty uh, as we've come to see it uh, in, in our own experiences. We want to pass that down. Well, Jesus Christ is blessing in the flesh. He is blessing through and through. To meet Jesus, to have a conversation with Jesus, to talk to Jesus is to be blessed, is to receive from God, is to receive from him. Everyone who talked or touched or prayed with Jesus was truly and authentically blessed. 
Jesus taught with true and gentle authority. He removed sickness from people's bodies. Jesus befriended the lonely. And here in Matthew 19, the passage that we're going to be looking at today, we see that this is a community that gets it. We see that everybody wants to bring people to Jesus for blessing. And this is a passage, or in here in this passage, we see that the people are bringing their children before Jesus. And this isn't a passage that's just for parents. So those of you who have kids, it's kind of easy to see yourself in this passage. But this is true for everybody, right? Because I imagine here in this story, in Matthew chapter 19, I just imagine an entire community that is bringing their children before the feet of God. Parents and grandparents, aunties and uncles, caretakers and friends and mentors are bringing the next generation up to Jesus because they want them to receive blessing, abundant blessing. So today at Restoration, we're going to be baptizing three children. And whether you've been praying for these, for these kids for years, or if you just found out about five minutes ago that it's a baptism Sunday, today, here we are, we are the gathered people of God, bringing our little ones to the feet of Jesus, bringing the most vulnerable among us, bringing the smallest among us into the presence of Jesus himself. But this story here shows us that this isn't always an easy endeavor. Bringing your loved ones to Jesus isn't always easy. In fact, in this story, it's kind of rattling. It's kind of shocking because those who are closest to Jesus those who consider themselves representatives of Jesus, those who are friends of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus, they're actually blocking people from coming to Jesus. Like, that's scandalous. That's not the way it's supposed to be. If you're in Jesus' inner circle, you're supposed to be a, a part of those who are bringing people into the presence of God. But instead, the disciples are blocking they are seeing people who are bringing children to Jesus and they're saying to them, we think that it would be best if you weren't here right now. You're not very useful to Jesus. You don't have the right reputation or the right influence in the community. You're not important and you should probably go back home. You see, they think that Jesus has better ways to spend his time. The disciples are saying that Jesus should be spending his time with the movers and shakers, not you. Have you ever been told something like that before? Are those words that you've encountered in your spiritual walk or even just dealing with, with spiritual people or people who claim to be spiritual? Maybe you have a moment in your memory of, of trying to draw near to God or maybe asking someone a question about God or trying to, to go to an event where you thought there would be um, godly wisdom there present and maybe even someone in that moment told you, you know what, this isn't really for people like you. This isn't your place, and you should probably go home. And this story is shocking because it also confronts us with the reality that we might be the ones who say things like that. Like people in collars or pastors or people who, who drive a, uh, get a paycheck from the church or even people who consider themselves really great Christians, you know? Like here in this story, we see that sometimes we can fall into a temptation of wanting to block people from Jesus. Like, what a rattling thing to confront, right? So, so maybe since then, uh, when it comes to matter, or maybe since this, this moment, when it comes to matters of exploring God, 
perhaps you feel like an outsider looking in. So what does Jesus do about that? How does Jesus react to the disciples, these ones who are trying to block people? Well, Jesus gets pretty stern, right? He speaks very, very clearly. In fact, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing here, it's as if Jesus looks the disciples in the eyes and he says, I'm going to say this twice so that you don't hear me wrong. He says, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. He says it both positively and negatively. Now, he's not flipping over tables here, but you can tell he is very upset. He wants these vulnerable ones, these small ones. He wants these children to come into his presence. Do not keep them away from me. And then Jesus blesses the children. He blesses them. He blesses them with his presence. He lays his hands upon them, and he prays for them. This is the technical language for blessing. Laying your hands upon someone and praying for them, that is to bless someone. That is what Jesus is doing here. But what exactly is the blessing? Is it a good luck charm? Did someone sneeze and Jesus is like, oh, God bless you? No, that's not what this is. So I, uh, Molly and I used to live in the South, and something that people would say quite often there was, oh, bless her heart. You know, like that was a common phrase that we would hear. And like, again, that is not what Jesus is doing here. That is not the blessing of Jesus. So in the ancient world, blessing was a matter of life and death. Like people fought over blessings. People would trick other people for blessings. In fact, sometimes people would kill somebody else in order for them to receive a blessing from an authority figure, a, a family leader, someone like that. Blessings are a big, big deal in the ancient world. In fact, when you're receiving the blessing from a holy person, heavenly realities are being altered. It's telling you that no matter, and sometimes this would lead to maybe some physical things, like maybe a, a prayer would be answered in that blessing. But certainly what a blessing revealed is that no matter how things shake out in this world, someone who God has given authority to has promised that God will accept you. Actual grace is being endued in the blessing. You now have favor with God is what's being communicated through this blessing. And out of this flows a sense of belonging, a sense of tremendous peace and joy and love and gladness. When you are blessed, it means that you have a spiritual home. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's proclaiming this blessing over them. He's saying, you now have acceptance before God. I assure you of that. And I love what the reformers say about this particular passage. Calvin says this. He says, what was Jesus' prayer other than those coming would be received by God? Surely that's what he's praying for here. And then Luther says this, is infancy itself such a barrier that Jesus simply cannot give faith to little ones like this? Luther says infants trust their mothers from the earliest of ages. So isn't the, or is the Lord's love less attractive? You see, friends, we cannot adequately imagine the blessing that Jesus is imparting to these children in this moment. And Dale Bruner, a, a recent uh, scholar, says this. He says, Jesus saves not only repentant adults, and we love telling those stories, and we celebrate those as well, but Jesus also saves dependent children. 
And for that matter, all those who we think are incompetent or less important or don't belong in the presence of Jesus, he pursues and goes after those individuals. He receives them into his presence. The blessing of Jesus is to receive his grace, his forgiveness, his acceptance. It means that you have a home in God. So I want to speak specifically to the kids that are here today. And I can't see all of you. I can't recognize all of you because of the masks and whatnot. But I want to be clear. Jesus is so glad that you're here. Children, Jesus is so glad that you are here. And as you come and and, and experience the presence of Christ among his people at the table in the waters of baptism, Jesus is glad that you are here and he blesses you. And then also to those of you who maybe have heard a word before of rejection, especially from spiritual leaders, I want you again here today to hear the airplane. (laughs) Oh, those airplanes. You know what, though? I will take sunshine, preaching in the sunshine, if it means dealing with airplanes. I'll do that any day. It's so nice to be outside right now. But like I was saying, for some of you who maybe have these lingering thoughts or doubts about whether or not you belong here, again, I want you to hear the words of Jesus. Hear him speaking over you, draw near to me. Let nothing hinder you. I want to bless you. That's what Christ is speaking to us today. So to some people who are passing by those Ethiopian churches, perhaps even today, and maybe they're catching a glimmer of congregants, members of that congregation, put seeds in the ground, put seeds in the ground of that dry, arid desert. And maybe people who are seeing that from a distance are thinking to themselves, man, what a fool's errand. What is actually going to come of that? Don't they see the vast desert that's around us? Surely the desert's going to win. Why invest in a forest like that? Some might even call it superstition or or empty hope or something like that. Well, to some who are walking by this church service, which that happens pretty frequently out here, you know, they might look at us and they might see us putting water on a child's head and think, oh my goodness, that that is silly superstition. Who would ever want to get involved in something like that? But friends, make no mistake about it. There are eternal heavenly realities that are being affected today. We are the gathered people of God. And he has given us the authority to do so, to proclaim blessing in his name over these children, to baptize people into the household of God. Eternal realities are changing here in this moment. Jesus now is blessing his church and he's instilling faith into his people. So please pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the gardener of our soul. Jesus, you protect us, you water us, you nurture us. And so Jesus, again, we ask that you would move here today in powerful ways. Lord, bless these children who are bringing in front of you. Lord, bless those of us who feel like we don't belong in your presence. May we hear your words clearly today spoken over us especially, Lord, as we come to the table where you reach out and you touch us with yourself, Lord, with your presence. May we hear you. May we receive your blessing today, Lord. Meet us today. We ask this, Lord, in your holy and precious name. Amen.